Stay fly. Stay fly. All right. And her mother comes from one of the East Indian groups who consider themselves above some of the Dravidians and others who were there. Um, but interesting because her mother is very dark skinned beautiful sister. Her mom was not dropped there gorgeous. And what happened was the Creek Freedmen was suing the Creek Nation, suing the Muscogee Creek Nation for violation of Article 6 of our Constitution. You're listening to the Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Ernie Thomas here on the Bold School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Varner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. Yes, sir. Welcome to another great episode of Get On Code, the Fly Guy Show. So, you know, the Fly Guy Show, Get On Code, is really focused on solving problems through conversations. Solving problems through conversations. So we have one with us today, the beautiful Natty Purdy. Uh, she's one of the fly folk. Salute that. I'm on today. I'm one of the fly folk. Salute that. And tonight we're being led by one of our flyest brothers, uh, Brother Frederick Jones L. He's going to lead us through this conversation. This is part three, part three of the Indian problem. And so Frederick Jonesell is going to lead us through that. We were just having a conversation before we got started. I asked Natalie, I said, hey, Natalie, do you have any Indian ancestry? You know, my ancestors are uh, Cherokee, Irish, and predominantly African. So I asked Natalie, and I was like, yo, you got any Indian in you? You know, that's how we, you know, grown up saying it. And uh, what was your response, Ma? You're muted. Go ahead. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm glad I was muted so you wouldn't hear me laughing over here. Uh-oh. Uh, my response was yes, I just don't know which tribe. Right, right. And you said you can see it where? In my great-grandfather. Right. And then we were abnob- admonished. <laughs> we were admonished <laughs> of Brother Frederick Jones L., who brought up a great historical fact. Uh, we already know it, but I want to make sure that everybody else knows that. What was that historical fact that you wanted to point out about the term Indian when it relates to the uh, indigenous people or the some of the first, some, S-O-M-E, some <laughs> first peoples here in the uh, Northern Corridor, United States of America, Turtle Island, if you will. Uh, go ahead, brother. Yeah, um, sure indeed. So what, so what we were discussing was the fact that the term Indian is a misnomer that was put on the indigenous inhabitants of the Americas uh, by Columbus and many of the other European explorers. Because when they first reached the approaches to what we know today as the Americas, they thought that they were in India. So they called the land uh, India or the Indies, and they called the people Indians. When we know that India is on the other side of the planet, so when they so at some point they figured out that it wasn't India or maybe um, it w- or maybe it was they started calling it India of the West or the West Indies right so you get our people from the Caribbean who say that they're West Indian and if you ask many of them why they can't even tell you why they say that but but I only brought that up just to show you 
how the European Christian nations, I have to say that because when they sailed, when they started to explore the planet, and when they subjugated other groups that didn't look like them, they got permission from the Roman Catholic Church to do such. So it's the church that sanctioned the enslavement of of all indigenous people or what they call non-Christians slash heathens or Saracens, right? Saracens and Moors. And there's a papal bull that I'm going to lead the people to so that they can see it, so that they know I'm not just just making up stories. But there's a papal bull named Dumb Diversus. Okay. Um, Quick quick moment. Let me just say this last thing. So there's a papal bull called Dumb Diversus, and it's from 1494, if I'm not mistaken. And and it's the church that gave the European Christian nations permission to subjugate the Moors, Saracens, and all non-Christians, people that they deemed as pagans or heathens. So so I'm just saying that to show you how they collectively identify as Christians or Europeans. This is before the tags, white, black, Indian, mulatto. This is before all of that. And these are new... Uh, these are new brandings, I guess, or names that they use in their caste system. So I'll end it and say that. So we're so we ain't Indians because this ain't India, and we ain't black people because slave the slavery era of time is over. So when you say that you're black, you are actually classifying yourself as the property of Europeans. And when you call him white, you give him the sovereign title. And my shirt is black. Ain't nobody's. Face on this platform, this color. So we're gonna do, so we're gonna deal with it like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For for the uninitiated, when you use the term palpable, I mean, uh, right. uh, yeah, yeah, palpable. Right. I want to make sure I said it right. Like for, yes, instance, for instance, uh, Queen Natalie, are you familiar with the palpables? No, I'm not. Okay. Okay. So, Brother Frederick L, give us a little more information. And for those who are watching. I use I self I when I identify myself I don't um, push away some terms so I do accept the term black even though I understand what it means what it doesn't mean I know I'm not a crayon color I know I'm not from the planet black I'm not from the city black you know I understand what it means I'm one of the people who does accept the term my good Morris brothers don't and I salute them for that and so we're gonna have Frederick Jones who will say those types of things tonight but the great thing is. I can have my position and be okay with it. He can have his position and be okay with it. And we're okay with each other. So, you know, sure, sure. if you run into a brother, don't flip and trip and say, I can't rock with them because they don't identify the way I identify. You know, we can yeah. all get along because we're on the same. We can all get along. I'll say that. But what's a papal book, bro? Gotcha. So, um, so papal is a play on the word of papacy. Or pope, so papal means pope, so to speak, or synonymous with the term um, with the term pope. And bull is from bulla. Bulla means seal, so it's a papal seal, something that he wrote that sealed it. Like if I had to compare it to something today, it'd be like a president's executive order saying that this is what must be done. Like how the various governors of the various states sign executive orders outlining how they want their states to operate during COVID. So, so that's a papal book. So it's a post-edict or order. 
saying I, I, I demand that you do this and uh, they they're if they didn't sanction slavery maybe it would have never happened the way that it happened and because it's the church and they have so much power people don't like to talk about that but they're but they have blood on their hands I'll say that it's in their history right yeah uh, a papal bull is a public decree letters patent or charter issued by a pope of the as my father would say uh, holy roman catholic church <laughs> mm-hmm. that's right all right 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 so here's the information just here's a list of here's a list of some of the papal bulls based on wikipedia you can find the information you know the pope asserts rights to colonize convert and enslave this is a uh, national okay I, i'm not going to go into everything but yeah. i'm just going to give you some information to support what the good brother is teaching all right yeah and then there's another uh, papal bull called romantis excuse me called romantis pontifex and i forget exactly what that does but it came around the same time as dumb diversus and i think it also has to do with the subjugation of the Moors, not the Moors as in the Moor Science Temple today, obviously, but of the Moors of antiquity or the Moors of history, because the Moors was at war with the uh, church for many years. You know, it was Islam versus Christianity during the Crusades, fighting over the Holy Land for many years. So I think that's another reason why um, the high brass in the church was involved too. They had to lead and say, all right, this is what we're going to do. They had to dictate, so to speak. So all of this ties in together. You know what I mean? And this has a lot to do with why we were given new names because we was defeated. So they started rebranding those who they um, held at the point of sword. See what I'm saying? We was subjugated. So, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Ashay, thanks for that information, brother. And, you know, um, we're all learning, man. We're here learning from brother Frederick Jones Ill. So keep teaching, brother. Keep teaching. Indeed, good brother. Indeed. So yeah, yeah. Well, uh, here's the one that uh, Pope Alexander. I guess that's the sixth. Uh, and yep. we make a point and depute, which means deputize you yep. and your said heirs, you and your family and your children and successors, lords of them with full and free power. That's why they the term master came uh, and with full free power, authority and jurisdiction of every kind. So our sisters became property. Yeah. Our brothers were property. Yeah, Natalie Purdy is one of the strongest voices for helping women with domestic who are you know exchange, involved in domestic violence situations where men treat their women like property, and women who are domestically violent treat the other person like property as well. So, when you see this, what comes to your mind, Natalie? I'm like, oh, it goes way back. The yeah. history of how it all got started, and back then, I'm oh, sure some, there was abuse because they felt like you were property, and but it wasn't called abuse. That was the way. That's the way it was. Yeah. 
Brother Joseph, please continue. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so these edicts, excuse me, so these edicts and papal bulls signed by the high brass in the church, it's just amazing because it shows you the hand that they have in this. And that's really not talked about. Like when you, like when they show movies of our enslavement, they show a lot of half-truths. And then they also show it, they want to paint a narrative that doesn't show you how high up it goes or how orchestrated it actually was. And then they want to, they want to, I think they want people to kind of have a certain outlook for it. You see what I'm saying? Instead of being made aware of the whole divine truth. And that's the only way that we're going to fix this is we got to lay all of the cards on the table so that the people can really, really, really see what happened so that we can know how to fix it. Now, um, in no way am I in opposition to the Catholic Church. Let me say that. Like, I'm not at odds with any Catholic. Um, you know, Prophet Noble Drew Ali said that, said that we are not to cause any confusion with any other organized group. I'm paraphrasing. And he also said that everyone could worship under their own vine and fig tree. So, so in no way am I pointing or am I at odds with anybody else. I'm just simply uh, stating uh, what was done, how it was done, etc. And then uh, to the woman portion too, um, as far as what Natalie Purdy was talking about, how women seem to be subjugated or enslaved, you know, when they get in these kind of unions. You know, that's interesting because even in organized religion, the wo- the woman is suppressed. You see, like, like, like we'll deal with, uh, like, we'll deal with the term Allah, right? You know, which means God, right? In Arabic, all right? So we know Muslims, Christians, and Jews who's, who speak Arabic refer to God as Allah. So it's not just Islam, but that's a whole nother conversation. But... In pre-Islamic Arabia, there was a female deity whose name was Allah. Allah. That's right. They used the planet Venus to represent her. And we know Venus represents the feminine energy. And that has a lot to do with why most of the flags in Islam is green. You know, brother, I always found it fun that, you know, now we're saying you're doing a lot. You know, you're doing too much. You're doing a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So, so I'm just saying that to say that uh, the woman is, is she doesn't know how important she is in society because we live in a patriarchal society now, uh, male-dominated, male rule, instead of, I guess, um, you know, holding our women um, up high, putting them on a pedestal, and like in the ancient world, things were, I guess, based on her role in the family structure, because she has the most important job uh, in humanity. You know, she's the vessel that we travel from. You know, the origins to the physical. You know what I mean? And if she's not right, then this whole thing is. It's going to be messed up. So I think that's why in the ancient world it was more matriarchal, I guess, so to speak. So I don't want to ramble on, but I wanted to camel walk with what uh, Miss Purdy had stated. So, yep, yep. All right. I wanted to salute our commenter, a uh, salute to uh, Daryl C. Davis, who says, Yes, sir. 
knocking it dead on the head. The community needs to understand the true conversion of our people. Um, so tonight, Brother Frederick Jones L is dealing with the Indian problem. And, you know, the black Americans soon to reclaim the Native American identity. This is part three, brother. So let's dive deep into it because I'm learning from you. Natalie's learning from you. You know, that's, yeah, you're in a privileged position, bro. Indeed, indeed. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I, uh, so this is part three. So I think in part one, uh, we, we had left out. Uh, some key information, which it was a lot of information, you see, and it wasn't enough time to get it all in. And then in part two, uh, you, myself, and the good brother Jacoby Ponder had every intent to address what we left out uh, in part one, but we just didn't get to it. So now hopefully in part three, you know, we can get to it, we can put this to rest, we can bury the hatchet, and um, and then uh, move on to greater things, you know what I mean? So, you know, you, myself, Miss Purdy, uh, the good brother Jacoby, and and everybody else. So, yeah, and I'm just grateful, man. Uh, gratitude. Um, I'm really glad to be on the platform and and share this information. I just want people to have the info. You know what I mean? That's my thing. So they so that they can see for themselves. You know what I mean? And so that they can know that there are other, I guess, protected groups or oppressed groups who aren't in solidarity with us. Like, how you not gonna be in solidarity with us? Man, they doing the same thing to you that they did to us. For I don't know how many centuries. Like, are you kidding me? So we got to put that out there and let them know. Like, listen, you know, we we are in this by ourselves, man. And the Moors, just because the Moors say that they ain't black, we ain't rejecting our people. We're rejecting the brand that the European used to take your birthright away. We love our people, so we in this with you. So just because we reject the branding, don't mean that we ain't in it with you. Because I get abused too. I don't have my feds knocked off by the police. But we're gonna talk about that another time. So. <laughs> hey, but I, I want to bring something up, man, because yeah. when you talk about not standing with us, you know, Natalie has talked about having some ancestry that's Native American, quote unquote. Uh, I know that my ancestors involved Cherokee as well. But when it came time for our Cherokee family to receive reparations, the United States has provided some level of reparations to the Native American groups. It's imperfect. But they have rightfully provided some. One thing that happened is, and you're going to discuss that, uh, some of us were left out. The other Absolutely. thing that happened is, Joe Biden is saying, hey, I'll consider, I'll think about reparations for the descendants of the enslaved Americans who not only went through slavery, but went through the Jim Crow era, went through the Reconstruction era. We stole property away from them. We bombed cities. We prevented them from receiving land grants. We prevented quote-unquote black people from receiving um, federal benefits. You know, they were able to serve in the military, but they didn't get GI benefits for a long period of time. So, the uh, federal government has locked African people, black people, out of a lot of things for centuries. And then Joe Biden has the nerve to say, I'll consider you know, reparations for the descendants of enslaved Africans, but I got to do something for the Native Americans too, when America has already given imperfect forms of monies and land and they're still receiving the monies, still have access to the land. And that does deal with my in my family as well. So it's been crazy to me that, you know, when my ancestors who are indigenous, you know, I'm not necessarily indigenous, Cherokee, they didn't say, hey, you gotta do something for the blacks too. They didn't say that. 
And when it comes down to looking at what happened with American history with the enslavement period, whites were the first primary, the first primary group of enslavers. After the whites, Native American groups enslaved Africans as well. Now, there were some Africans who were slave owners, but that was like minuscule compared to the Native American tribes. I know in the Cherokee Nation, 15 percent of their population at one time were the enslaved Africans that they had legal by federal statutes, by federal government rights. They had legal property of. But they didn't say, hey, when we get our reparations, we're going to look out for y'all. Yeah, they truly. knew that. So now when Joe Biden comes up with this silliness, I- I'm looking at him square. I'm like, I mean, sideways. I'm looking at him square. Look at him sideways, you know. So go ahead, brother. I- let me get off my soapbox. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, Joe Biden is crazy, man. Biden is crazy. I could talk. Man, listen, that, man, listen, that brother there. But I mean, it's, you know, what are we going to do? It's either him or this other guy. So. Yeah, uh, I, it's him, the other guy, or we want to go down ballot because when yeah, you look at politicians, when they vote, they say yay, nay, or abstain. So if you yeah. look at the senatorial, the Senate, they say yay, nay, or abstain. When you look at the Congress, yay, nay, that's or right. abstain. Yeah, that's right. Right as well, uh, Natalie. I just can't let you sit there and look gorgeous tonight. You got Natalie. What's, what's, what's I'm learning so much. I'm taking my notes. I'm like, okay. That's what's up. Hey, so, brother, be. so tonight is the Indian problem part three. Let me get off my soapbox because you know I talk all night. It's on you. What you gonna do? True, indeed. All right. So before I get into the rest of the information, right, the uh, stuff that I left out of part one, right? The plus degrees. Ah, I like that picture. So something that you touched on when you talked about uh, some of the tribes enslaving our people. And yes, that did happen. But um, in particular, the uh, Muscogee Creek Nation, a lot of freed men who was free and no longer slaves went into what was Indian territory at the time. And this is what their intercourse is with some of the uh, so-called Indian tribes. This is what their standing was. But what happened was um, they reached a point where they felt like what agreements or obligations that they had during this the reconstruction period, because this is when a lot of freedmen who had standing with the creek, whether they was owned by the creek, whether they was freedmen and married in, all types of things happened, right? So during the Reconstruction era, whatever uh, those of our people that had some standing with the tribe got all of the the I guess um, incentives and rewards that the tribe would get in their agreements with the government, but at some point. Uh, new tribal leadership that came along they wanted to do something different they wanted to say all right these people aren't Indian enough or they ain't Indian or they perpetrating a fraud and we'll get into some of that stuff too because uh, there's a distinction between a creek and a creek freedman you see what I'm saying and this is some of the things that they're arguing but all right so to get to it what I left out of uh, part one. So we'll get into the first story, which was about the uh, Muscogee 
Creek Nation. And this is a story out of Oklahoma from 2018. And what happened was the Creek Freedmen was suing the Creek Nation, suing the Muscogee Creek Nation for violation of Article 6 of our Constitution, right? Which Article 6 says that the Constitution and all treaties are supreme law of the land. And it was also suing them for breaching the Treaty of 1866 between the Muscogee Creek Nation and the United States government, which which says that the Creek freedmen have standing and the treaties are law. And when the new tribal, uh, excuse me, so when the Creek came with a new tribal constitution in 1979, what they did was, was um, the uh, citizenship parameters was limited to the 1906 Dawes Rolls. And they did that because those Dawes Rolls was when they started to say who was Creek and who wasn't Creek by looking at you. So you already know who that's going to disenfranchise. It's going to disenfranchise us. You see what I'm saying? So these are some of the tricks that they were doing to kind of um, get our people out of the way, so to speak. All right. And... um, and also the Dawes Rose was the product of the Dawes Act of 1889. And basically what that did was that was an agreement between the U.S. government and some of the so-called Indian tribes. I'm saying so-called because we know Indians are misnomer. But for sake of argument, we'll just say so-called Indian. Um, they came with an agreement where if the tribes let the U.S. government expand westward, because we know that the United States at one point was just the eastern seaboard. And anything west of the App- of the Appalachian Mountains at one point was Indian territory. That wasn't the United States. And we know gradually they kept expanding westward, 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 and westward. So anyway, the various uh, tribes got into an agreement with the U.S. government, which is what the Dawes Act of 1889 is, saying... You can expand on our land. And in return, they gave the federally recognized tribes allotted land, right? And put them on a reservation and put that land in a trust. And they gave them funding and did things uh, for them. And this is what the whole BIA is, which is the Borough of Indian Affairs. And that's a whole thing in itself where they get federal welfare, um, you know, they get cash assistance. You see what I'm saying? They get college tuition and all of that. So, so yeah. And then also, um, also with the Creek Freedmen, there's a, a story from 1910. There's a 1910 article of this guy, Cal Tom, who, you know, he was a wealthy uh, Creek member, what they would call a Creek Freedman today, meaning a so-called Black Creek. And he was one of our people that has some standing within the tribe and many of the so-called black members of the tribe who are all parties in this class action lawsuit he's their ancestor you see what I'm saying so um, the story of Cal Tom is important because it shows that these aren't just people who just woke up one day and said I'm Indian they can trace their 
their ancestry back to a person that has that has some standing with the tribal government. So these are people who are Creek, no matter how they became Creek, whether it's through marriage, whether it was through slavery, whether they was freedmen who went into Indian territory like many did because they would be treated better and accepted. So they have standing. So I think that this 1910 article of Cal Tom is important. And I think I did send that and we can pull that. All right. And um, uh, so the next thing is, um, oh, yeah, it's something I left out. Uh, so the Dawes rules of 1906, they had two separate rules. They had rules for Creek Freedmen and then they had rules for those who they deemed as as true, authentic uh, Creek Creeks. See that? So so it was so they even had they even had it segregated within the whole uh, so-called Indian yeah. Same way how they had uh, black water fa- uh, 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 water fountains for so-called blacks, water fountains for so-called whites. You know, so-called blacks ride in the back of the bus, whites ride up here. So they even tried that when they was dealing with uh, the various so-called Indian tribes. All right, and like I mentioned, uh, the Dolls Rose was based on interviews and eyeballing, and that, that was from 1889 to 1906. So they was doing that, um, and again, the uh, the Creek Freedmen of Oklahoma. They're standing on the 1866 treaty between the Creek Nation and the U.S. government. I have to go back to that. That's very important because because the treaties and the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Not to repeat myself, but there's but this is what they're standing on uh, in their suit in federal court. So they're not just some fly by night crackpot people saying they're Indians because they want to get some kind of incentive. Because that's that's how the media is making them out to be but when you dig and do the research they're not they have standing these are people that was getting mail for years they was recognized for years until all of a sudden the creek said all right this is enough we they're not us when they are and um so it's important that i bring that up all right these people are standing on the treaty and on the constitution and that's supreme and whether the creeks of today like it or not they have to honor that you can't go back on that. The Constitution would have to be amended for that to be done. But and, they are, um, and they have. But they are, yeah. and they have. Yeah. And, and uh, the eighteen, this eighteen sixty six treaty. I'm glad you pulled that up. I forget the section that it talks about the Creek Freedmen uh, be, having having some standing and being and being a part of the tribe. And the, Consti- the Constitution says it, so you you know whether they like it or not, you have to honor it. And it might be article. It's either two or four. So, yep, yeah. And let me talk about the suit as well while you find uh, that particular part. The um, their suit of uh, the Creek Freedmen suing the Muscogee Creek Nation in 2018. Their suit was dismissed without prejudice. And see, the headline didn't say that. It just says dismissed. But see, suits can be dismissed two ways, with prejudice or without prejudice. Now, if it's dismissed with prejudice, you can't bring it back because it means that that either all of what you're trying to do has been exhausted 
right? You know, you've been in court X amount of times or uh, your claim lacks merit. And if it's without prejudice, it means that there's either something wrong with the uh, complaint or the judge has said, try this first. I want you guys, the judge will write in their opinion or in their order, try this as an alternative first. And then if this keeps happening, you can do this. So maybe the 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 court was saying that the Creek Freedmen missed a step. I think what the Creek Nation is saying is that these Creek Freedmen haven't reapplied for membership in the tribe after they was put out. So I think that's what the lawyers for the Creek Nation was saying. So the court said, all right, so we're going to dismiss it without prejudice, meaning that they can bring it back. But what we want them to do is to apply, do this. And then if um, if you don't get remedy, then you can bring the seat back. So, so that's what the headline is not saying. Right. But the suit was dismissed, but but not because their claim lacks merit, because the court wants them to do something. Mm, okay. And I know because I had a federal civil suit dismissed without prejudice in the Third Circuit, right? So the Third Circuit Court is Eastern Pennsylvania, all of New Jersey, and, and all of Delaware. And, and I sued the Delaware River Port Authority. You can pull that up. Uh, I sued them in federal civil court, uh, the Camden office, uh, Camden City, New Jersey. And my first complaint was, was dismissed because I had judicial officers named in a complaint and a judicial officer has 11th, 11th Amendment immunity if you're suing for monetary damages. You can only sue a judicial officer like a judge, a prosecutor, a state's attorney for injunctive relief or, or declarative relief. You can't sue them for monetary damages. So that was the error. So the judge said, I'm, I'm dismissing you without prejudice. And if you fix this, then you can bring it back. And that's what I did. So same, same type of deal, you know, with the Creek Freedom. So, so yeah, you're saying pretty much that <laughs> yeah. you're so, um, I don't want to say prophetic. The word I'm looking for is, is, it's kind of like a professor. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> you're so detailed with your stuff, bro. But you're pretty much saying that even though that the, the freedmen descendants claim was dismissed, it was not dismissed with prejudice. In other words, they can bring it back. You just didn't have enough information. Well, no, no, no. Well, they can bring it back, but the judge said, said that you have to reapply for membership and then if they deny you again then you can bring it back so they had all of their ducks in a row but the way that the lawyers for the Creek Nation got around it was was th- their claim was that the, was that the Freeman didn't have an active mem- uh, a membership application mm. but why would they apply when you stop sending them mail you sent them letters saying that they're no longer members of the tribe why would they apply so this was a trick for them to get the case out of court and then have them bring it back again. It's called a technicality or something like that. So it, it, yeah. it just kind of highlights that even with our family, we ain't got no friends. We don't have no friends, brother man. <laughs> we don't have no friends. Even with family, man, we don't have. We ain't got no friends. I'm like, wow. Yeah, man. Yeah, like even the pale Arabs from the um from the east when they see me walking around with the street fine and more, they get tight, man. 
So they don't love us either. You know what I mean? They don't love us, man. You know, like the like a lot of Muslims that that migrate from Islamic countries in the East, they look down on us. You know what I mean? American blacks, you you ain't us. But I'm gonna tell you, a lot of uh, Moroccans from the Kingdom of Morocco in the East, they they friend request us on Instagram to troll us. You know what I mean? I had to block a lot of them. So, but that's a whole nother conversation. But they don't love us. You know what I mean? And we don't love them either, by the way. So, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I like that he did that out there. <laughs> I, I put it like my father used to say: "We love them, we just don't mess with them." <laughs> okay, I, I could go for that. Yeah, I could go for that, dear brother. Right, right, right. Yeah, my it's us against everybody, man. It's us against the world, man. So, yo, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, proceed, brother. Proceed. Yeah. All right. So, um. So I talked about the 1866 treaty that they have to honor. Um, some of the ancestors of these freedmen who have this case in federal court right now, some of their ancestors were principal chiefs of the tribe. That's powerful right there. So if they ain't creek, if they don't have no standing, how come some of their ancestors were principal chiefs? Like Cal Tom. For example, people could go and look that up. Cal Tom was one of the richest men in Indian territory during that time. And we know Indian territory then was like Oklahoma, um, you know, like Idaho, maybe some parts of the Texas panhandle. So the name for me, bro. Cal Tom. Oh, yeah, Cal Tom. C O W T O M. Cal Tom. Yeah. Yeah. And let me oh, and one thing that I left out too. Um this case of the Creek Freedmen suing the Muscogee Creek Nation is not one of a kind. You had uh some so-called black Cherokees and Seminoles um sue on similar grounds in 2017 and they won. They were found to be credible. So this case here is not unique. Alright? So we have so-called black Cherokee and Seminoles who sued who, who sued those respective tribes and they had standing. And that's not being talked about. Yep. Yeah, I, that unfortunately happened to some of my ancestry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And while we're on the topic, my um, my maternal great grandmother, so my mother's grandmother, uh, whose name was Ruth Wilson, who um, she lived in uh, I want to say uh, Mount Airy, the Mount Airy section of Philadelphia. This is when she was up in age, but she lived in Florida for some time. But she told me when I was real young, when I was a little guy, she told me and my younger brother, she told us that her family was from uh, Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, and Mount Holly, New Jersey, and that what was told to her was that they was always there. 
that they ain't come from no Africa. But she wasn't saying it in the sense that we're not African people, if you get what I'm saying. She's just saying that we're very diverse and that the transatlantic slave trade is a half-truth. That's what she was telling me without saying it that way. And we're also not a monolith. Just because we share the same complexion doesn't mean that we all come from the same culture. We are a worldwide people. We've been all over all 196 million square miles of this planet. We're the original people of this planet, the maker, the owner, cream of the planet Earth, the mothers and fathers of civilization and God of the universe. I already talked about the woman being being a law in its origin. And I'm going to leave that right there. So, yeah. I say, I say, I like how you took the uh, the makeup, the owner, the cream of that's the planet true. Earth. Yeah, and right. you added fathers and mothers of civilization, God of the universe. God yeah, of the Thank you, man. We got we got to respect the queen, man, because we got to respect the I said, yeah. go ahead. But yeah, uh, I didn't know about Cal Tom. Yeah. Very important man. Very important. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. now, so this is interesting. Cal Tom, like his counterparts, Harry Island and Sugar George, ooh, epitomize the energy, spirit, and intelligence of the African leaders of the Muscogee Nation. Born in, okay, okay. I'm loving this. I'm loving this. This kind of reminds me of Yanga, Yanga, I can't think of Yanga's full name, but he was the African that led the revolutionary activity in what we call Mexico. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when people look at Mexicans, they really don't realize that a lot of Mexicans have African ancestry. Uh, you know, Mexico. the second president of Mexico, the second president of Mexico was considered half African and half indigenous. And mm-hmm. uh, he's, the second. He's, he's the one that freed who ended the enslavement of Africans in Mexico. And he actually got help from the United States government while we still had enslavement happening here in the United States. That's powerful, brother. But tell me more about, uh, where should I go next, bro? Where should I go next? So we're gonna go to, um, so we'll go to the Pamunkey Nation story out of Virginia. This is the tribe that wants to build a casino in Richmond and Norfolk. So, so we'll go to that, which is what the three of us are right now. We're going to get on these people. We're we going to get on them right now. <laughs> yeah. They owe us, brother. They owe. And the price tag is just, I don't think they can afford it. But they owe, they owe dough. Like how we used to say back in the day, you owe dough. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. So... And not to sound radical, because I know the Moors gonna be saying, "Oh man, you's on there talking radical." The prophet ain't say the prophet ain't say that. They gonna be calling me. So, mm. all right, all right, bro. So look, um, on terms of the article, which article are we gonna tap in with now? So for the viewers, yeah. Fred sent me a whole slew of links, a whole slew of links, and I'm. Trying to go through them as we chat in real time. We're doing this in real life. Um, yes, yeah. Sorry about that, dear brother. So that right, article, what are you going to say? 
So that article was a Philadelphia Union Tribune article on the Pamunkey Nation of Virginia. Philadelphia Union Tribune or the Philadelphia Tribune. So we'll see, we'll see. Uh, it'll come. Keep talking, bro. It'll come. I'll find it. All right. You sent me a lot of links, bro. Yeah, man. It was a lot of information, and I was at, and it and it actually took a lot out of me. But I had to do it, man. I was passionate about it, and I knew that you were the right person to send it to, man. I sent it to some of these other guys, man. Some of these moors, and they would do nothing with it. But I knew that you was the, the right person to send it to. So. Well, uh, it comes down to it. We are. We are the right people to do something with it, man. We are. Yeah. Yeah, okay. This is the one with the light skinned sister in it. Okay, okay. I know. What yeah. There it is. Yeah. So the promotion. Tell me what I'm looking at. All right. So the title of this article, which this is a recent article, I think from 17, from, from, from 2017. And the title of it is Vestiges of Black Laws Arise as Tribe Seeks Casino in Virginia, right? So this is the Pamunkey Nation of Virginia. And like I mentioned, they want to build a casino in Richmond and in Norfolk. And the tribe is applying for federal recognition. So they're not federally recognized at the moment like the uh, Muscogee Creek Nation that we were just talking about. But it doesn't mean that they're not a real tribe withstanding. But they have to go through some things to be federally recognized. Because with federal recognition comes a lot of things. You know, you get your land put into trust. You get finances, you could build a casino uh, without having to pay the taxes, which Donald Trump doesn't like. And there's a, and there's a whole video of him throwing a temper tantrum over the uh, the natives up in Massachusetts getting to build a casino without paying taxes. But, we'll, but that's for another time. All right. So this Pamunkey Nation tribe, again, they're applying for federal recognition or they were during 2016. And what came up was... Uh, uh, so-called black statesmen was they investigated the tribe and they found that this particular tribe enacted black laws that mirrored the Racial Integrity Act of Virginia of 1924 and they did so to ward off at least this is what the tribe is saying they're saying that they did that to ward off uh, so-called white neighbors who wanted them off their reservation in King William County, Virginia in the year 1861. So they're saying that these are they're saying that this that these tribal uh, anti-so-called black laws are draconian, if that's, a, if that's a good way to describe them. Or I guess outdated. You know what I mean? They need to be updated. So what are, what are these white supremacist policies and practices? And one of the things that I think uh, we're starting to have a greater understanding is you don't have to be, quote unquote, white to be a white supremacist. Uh, yeah, if, if, so if that If that term, white supremacist, has any validity, and, you know, some people dispute the validity of it, but if there is any validity to that term as a concept, which means that anything is primarily Caucasian is superior and has supremacy over anything that's not Caucasian, then the concept of white supremacy says that anything that's not Caucasian is whack, right? You know, if you're white, you're all right. 
If you brown, we might let you hang around. If you yellow, you might be a little mellow. You know, if you black, get back. You know, so that white supremacy policies and practices, you don't have to be white to believe that whites are supreme. Yeah, true indeed. Right. True indeed. So, uh, you know, so what, um, are, what are this tribe's history of white supremacy's policies and practices? Yeah, uh, truly. But the camera walk with what you said, yeah, you don't have to be a pale face to be for white supremacy. Whether you're doing it subconsciously or whether it's your intent. All right. So, yeah. All right. So, so back to the Pamunkey Nation of Virginia. Again, they enacted. Um, black laws that mirrored the Racial Integrity Act of Virginia of 1924, which was the baby of Walter Pleckler, right? We talked about him last time, all right? Also during World War II, this particular tribe, they didn't want to be drafted into the war unless assigned to white units, and that's in the article too. So they said, don't draft us and put us with so-called blacks. Put us with so-called white people because we're equal to them or we're better than the so-called black people. So this is what came out when they was applying for federal recognition and they was deemed to be not worthy. Why, why are you worthy of this aid that you want? Because that's all federal recognition is, right? You want to build a casino. Why are you worthy when you haven't even been good citizens to your fellow, I mean, good, uh, good tribal citizens and have treated your fellow man equally you're not worthy so this is what um, politicians from our community is say, is, uh, was saying about the Pamunkey Nation they well, dug the history up on the unfortunate piece is uh, the uh, <laughs> as my father would say the Negroes in Norfolk were like hey bring the money we'll just, we'll just ignore this little aspect as long as they employ us yep yeah and uh, to continue on, uh, even after Loving versus Virginia, 1967, um, and the state and the state of Virginia's uh, racial purity law was repealed in the 1970s, 1975, the Pamunkey Nation kept its law on banning interracial marriages. So even after there was case law. Uh, banning uh, someone depriving people from two different cultures to marry this tribe kept their ban on interracial marriage Natalie how is this news hitting hitting you how how is it hitting home like a gut punch Um, especially like it's a piggyback on what you said to go back a lot of people, yeah, you're right. In Norfolk, they say bring the money, bring the jobs, bring the casino, and we'll just overlook all of this information. We'll just yeah. turn our heads and act like it didn't exist. Yeah, and you know, I'm big on empowerment. I'm very big on empowerment, and we have a leverage situation here. We can say y'all ain't acting right until y'all act right. We're not going to support you having these casinos. And you know what will happen? Act right. Listen to this. Get some act right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, because they didn't. 
They didn't lift the ban on interracial marriage until 2014. Wow. And they only, yeah, and they only did it, and they only did it because they wanted to be approved for federal recognition. Because that's the only way that they can get to build the casinos. So they didn't do it because it was the right thing to do. They did it because they want the benefit. They want what they want. Isn't that something? Yeah, they want what they want. Yep. And this is right here where we are. And we need to go in and and um and represent. Not not harm them physically. I'm not saying let's go and harm them for people watching. I'm not saying to go hurt anybody. But you know, we need to go out and say, hey, listen, this is is, is this is this the kind of people that you are? You are treated, you know, honored, and you, and here you're not even good, uh, 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 good people to your fellow man. Unbelievable. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me say this too. Uh, um, in their law banning interracial marriage, it's they wrote that no tribal member should marry anyone but a white or an Indian. And that was in 2014. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is why which which is why you have many members of tribes that look like so called white people. We call them five dollar Indians, by the way, and that's because a lot of them got into a lot of them got into these tribes because they would pay five dollars to get their names on the dolls rolls. And a lot of them married in too. But they were paid to get on the roads. So this is where the term $5 Indian comes from. Well, you know, one of the things that I want to highlight, and with this information that you're highlighting, and I'll tell you, salutes to you, Brother Frederick L., is this was Virginia law. Yeah. So, you know, when we say, you know, hey, we want reparations for the descendants of Americans, we're not necessarily saying, hey, Jimmy, hey, Bobby, hey, Cindy, you need to pay up. We're saying federal government and state government, these were laws. Yeah. These were codified. And so you owe. You are. I'm not talking about you, Cindy. And, you know, interesting thing is, you know, my wife kind of reminded me yesterday that Cindy's taxes pay for this. Bob's taxes pay for this. As well as Shaquita's taxes will be the people that pay. All right. But it's all good because the federal and state government owes us because That's the federal and state government allowed this BS to happen. Yes. Agreed. Agreed, dear brother. And okay, I'm getting a little upset. Yes. Let me fall back. I'm getting a little upset. <laughs> it, uh, it, I'm getting a little upset. Uh, salute to Daryl. He's still with us. We love you, brother. Um, Peace, Daryl. Standing yes, to Daryl. Too. That's what's up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um so to the woman uh whose picture was on the I guess the front page of the article, mm-hmm. uh her name is, is Jasmine Anderson. And she's the one who initially brought some of these things to light about the monkey nation uh practicing segregation on um so called black people. So basically, uh, she's Jasmine Anderson of Essex County, Virginia, and she exposed the tribe uh, after her and her family were uh, 
kicked out of the tribe. Well, well rather, her ancestors was put out of the tribe between uh, 1865 and 1881 for opening up a school for uh, free slaves and for uh, so-called Indian children near the reservation. So her family was always seen as what they would call a black sheep. And she and she's been turned down for recognition and she's saying that it has to do with of course her, her complexion, right? She doesn't have the right complexion for the connection. But she's also saying that it has to do with with what her family history is, right? If I'm if I'm reading the notes right, yeah. It says that they were banished. Her and her family was banished from the tribe between 1865 and 1881. Yep. So, and it says, and it and it also said that as of 2015, she keeps getting rejected. By the tribal council And um, She keeps getting rejected by the tribal council But they're saying Now they're saying That the 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 citizenship parameters Are different They're saying If your name is not on the dolls rolls Or the proper rolls You can uh, Like if you show a significant amount Of evidence right, Compelling evidence Then you could be a member of the tribe But they're saying That she's not on The 1900 Or the 1910 Census And dolls rolls Her Her or her family And um, The tribe claims That they will accept Those who can show Compelling evidence If they're not on the rolls But we know We know that They purposely Would create New legislation This is the tribes Or new rolls to disenfranchise our people So more than likely That's just what happened You know they created A new role You know new roles And just said Alright we're gonna keep These people out And then we'll put These people on the roles So Yeah And it's crazy that She had to go to Wisconsin To get support Wow uh, Wow Here it says While most Virginia Elected officials Have ignored concerns About monkey action To exclude her father Her family Anderson has gathered Support from Wisconsin Congressman Gwen Moore. Interesting, the last name is Moore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Uh, you know, a little history note. Uh, whenever we see the name Moore or Moreno or Morantini or Swartzy or Schwarzenegro or Schwarzenegro or Swartzy or Swartz, it meant the uh, people have some level of African ancestry, and they use those terms um, at some point to distinguish. They were actually distinguished. They were they were celebrated. Sure. Uh, now, yeah. now it's kind of yeah, yeah. So when you see the last name M O O R E, it also refers to that type of history as well. Yes. Although, yes. yeah. Go ahead. And so, so salute to the Moors. <laughs> oh yeah. Truly, peace, peace. So yeah, and um, so yeah, so these are some of the things that the Pamunkey Nation was doing. You know, you didn't, you know, we got in modern times, and you're still keeping these these racial integrity laws, so to speak, on the books, right? Mirroring the Racial Integrity Act of 1924 of Virginia. And you don't address that until 2014, 
and we already know why they were doing it. And uh, yeah, and this is widespread. You know, like I mentioned, the Seminoles and the Cherokee who sued, excuse me, so-called black members of the Seminoles and the Cherokee sued those two tribes uh, on the same grounds that the Creek Freedmen are suing the Muscogee Creek Nation and they won. So I'm just repeating that again just to show you how widespread it is. This is not isolated with the Pamunkey Nation, with the Creek Freedmen. The Seminoles have done it. The Cherokee have done it. And who, and who knows what other tribes are doing. And they owe dough. They've been disenfranchising our people. They don't deserve these casinos. And they're only correcting these things or stepping up to the plate because it's about uh, dollars and cents with them and it ain't about doing the right thing what a travesty you know what a travesty so and one thing about us one thing about our people that I can say we'll accept anybody man anybody that come into the hood we take them in we accept any and everybody but it but it ain't the other way around you know what well, I mean it's interesting the hood was not our exclusive place you know there was a time in American history where the black community was the safest (laughs) yeah yeah that's true brother some of us now can't wrap our heads around the fact that that wasn't the case before you know the uh the ghettos were really designed for the uh Jewish the Irish and the Italian immigrants um and after yeah when so we can look at those old Italian movies and the old gangster movies, and I love gangster movies. I, I like things that are gangster. I, I have to admit that. Um, they were the first blacks. They were the first blacks, meaning that they had the black status before we had it. Well, no, well, let me correct myself. I'm not going to say yeah, that. They had it. Yeah, let me correct what I'm saying. Well, what I'm going to say is that there was a time. I guess turn of the century when a lot of Italians were fleeing Italy because we know World War One with Hitler and Mussolini and all of that. So there was a time where oh, where the Italians were the newest on the scene. And of course they fought with the Irish who who came during the the second Irish famine, which is in the eighteen hundreds. So the Irish was treated bad by those with Dutch and English ancestry who claimed to be first. And the Irish came and then they had the black status. And then when the, the Italians came after them, they had the black status. So I'm just saying that to say they know it's the status as well. You know what I mean? Well, so. I think that you're using a legal term that's going to throw off some folk. Uh, so when you use the term the black status, you're actually talking right. about a legal designation. Can you go a little into yeah. that? Because I, I yeah. you know, Go into that, bro. Yeah. Well, um, black in law means a civil litter mortus or civilly dead in the eyes of the law. So when you say civil, you're you're talking about civilians, a civilian, civilian rights. And mortus deals with the morgue, right? So you put dead people in the morgue. And litter is trash. So civil litter mortus is saying your civilian rights is trash and you're dead in law. So that's what the black status is, and that's why they put the tag on us. And not only that, when you study a lot of European history, anything that was that was black was bad to them. Like they called the bubonic plague the Black Death, 
Um, if you study Viking history, their funeral ships will fly the black flag. Flag. So anything that was black was evil. So they put the tag on us, I guess, during the Middle Ages because we was at, in opposition to them. We was evil. We was of a different culture. So here's what happened. All right. You have W.E.B. Du Bois and others, right? Uh, uh, social engineers, if I could give them that tag, who tried to take something that wasn't defendable, right? Because the black status isn't defendable. It denotes someone who has lost his or her civil rights. It denotes property. And they tried to turn it into something uplifting. And I mean, you can do whatever you want. I'm not saying that you can't demonstrate how you want to demonstrate, but it wasn't meant to be defended. That's why it was put on you. And this is the whole psychology right. behind what, what Noble Drew Ali was coming to teach. And, and even those in secret societies, they they know that. But, but we've been pushing the black thing for so long. You know, how do you come behind that and tell the people, all right, this is wrong? When they've been what that for so many generations. Well, yeah. W.E. Du Bois and Du Bois, Du Bois, whatever term you want to, you know, yeah. you pronounce it. And some of his yeah. contemporaries like Arturo Schomburg, who I call the grandfather of black history because he taught Carter G. Woodson and Drusilla right. Houston, who I call the grandmother of black history. You know, if you have a father of black history, then that father had a mom and they had a pops mm-hmm. as well. So salute to Drusilla Houston and salute to uh, Arturo Schomburg, who was Puerto Rican, yeah, by the way. Created the term Afro Boricua, which later, when he got here to the United States, um, he he shared, and then you started seeing people use the term Afro American. Uh, um, Malcolm X was one of the people to yeah. make it a popular term, and then um, Reverend Jesse Jackson popularized. He didn't create because the term African American actually goes back to the 1800s, but um, it goes. My point is. When they looked at the term black, they were looking at it from an African standpoint where African, the color black and the term black deals with the sense of life. So things come out of the black into life. So it's like the womb of a woman. So a judge sits on a bench. They wear black because they're going to bring you into new life. You know, when you look at uh, uh, the, 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 the flowers that we wear, when on Mother's Day for our mothers who have passed on into the ancestry, they've moved on into new life. And so there was a big argument between those who were African centered in their information. And when you look at right. the Western centers, Western looked at black as being dead. And African and some of the indigenous cultures, they looked as black as being the entree to the new life. And we live here in America. America is a Western world. So unfortunately, the Western ideology and concept of black, which meant death, has kind of prevailed. But it's kind of interesting that we still kind of hold on to some things that tie us back. Now, I know some of our uh, brothers don't necessarily agree with that particular point. And they say, hey, in reality, we're here in the United States. It's the Western world. That's how it looks at it. The term black means dead. When it also uh, meant without. Black meant lack or without. Mm -hmm. So when you said you have black status, it means you don't have status. You don't have, and you're absolutely right. The Italians didn't have those rights when they first arrived. They weren't seen as citizens. The Irish didn't have those rights when they first arrived. They weren't seen as citizens and they had to earn their quote unquote whiteness in the United States of America. Um, 
East Indians. You know, we're talking about Sister uh, Kamala Harris. I keep saying Kamala, but my wife says it's Kamala. So uh, Kamala Harris. Kamala. <laughs> what? Really? I call her Kamala. That's what I call her. Kamala Harris. Don't get me started on her. I don't want to make the show about her. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Putting brothers but, under the jail. No. Putting, putting us underneath the jail. You know what I mean? Frederick, I'm gonna have to use that one, Kamala. Okay, yeah. We have some people who are calling her Shamala, uh, but uh, you know, you know, because you know, um, her father, who was a um, Jamaican, Jamaicans, he was a, one of the Jamaicans who kind of prided themselves as being the slave owners rather than being the enslaved. All right, and her mother comes from one of the East Indian groups. Who consider themselves above some of the Dravidians and others who were there? Um, but interesting because her mother is very dark skinned, beautiful sister. Her mom was not drop dead gorgeous, um, but she was considered white when she came to the United States of America. She That's was considered white because East Indians, no matter your complexion, if you came from the East Indies, <laughs> you were considered Caucasian. When you came to the United States of America, up until I want to say uh, the seventies, it may have been the seventies when they opened up some of the um, new immigration laws and they changed some of those things. But you were considered white, and I'm not demeaning her. I'm not demeaning her by any means. Her mother, interestingly, said, "You're going to be looked at as a black girl, so I want to raise you and your sisters as two black girls here in the United States of America." Interesting. Interesting. Well, here's. Well, here's what happens. Um, as per the, uh, what is it called? It's called Federal Directive 15, if I'm saying it right. Uh, Federal Directive 15 is the law that governs, I guess, uh, how ones are to identify when they're filling out these various forms, asking you what your identity is. And it says in the Florida Federal Directive 15 that it's not based on scientific information or anything uh, anthropological. So, you, so you, so you're volunteer, you're volunteering information. So, it's saying, essentially, what it is saying is that, you know, we're going to go off what you say. You don't. We're not demanding that you check a particular box, but they already know that we're trained. So, that, so they already know that you're going to pick what you're told to choose in your community and what's. And what's, I guess, practiced or demonstrated in popular culture. All right. So this is Federal Directive 15. But let me say this, too. And I just highlighted it. I just highlighted it. So a a white person for Federal Directive 15 by the office of I can't OMB. I can't remember what it stands for. I have it highlighted on here. A white person is a person having origins in any of the original peoples of Europe, North Africa or the Middle East. But I wanted to touch on something. Go up to the top of Federal Directive 15. Go up to the very top. Okay. So it says... All right. So it says... All right. So it says the directive provides standard classifications for record-keeping, collection, and presentation of data on race and ethnicity in federal program administrative reporting and statistical activities it says these classifications should not be interpreted as being scientific 
or anthropological in nature, nor should they be viewed as detriments of eligibility for participation in any federal program. All right. And it says that they have been developed in response to needs expressed by both the executive branch, which is the office of the presidency and the Congress, which is the legislative branch of government. All right. And we know the legislative branch was established with Article One of our Constitution, for those that want to know. And the executive branch was established in Article Three, excuse me, in Article Two, and the judicial branch was established with Article Three. So the, so the judicial branch is the courts, the executive branch is the office of the president, and the legislative is of course Congress, which which is the House of Representatives and your Senate. All right. But it says go back up. All right, so it says they have been developed in response to needs expressed by both the executive branch and Congress to provide for the collection and use compatible, non-duplicated, uh, exchangeable racial and, and ethnic data by federal agencies. So essentially what it is telling you is that it ain't scientific and it ain't based on ancestry. It's how you decide to answer. Mm-hmm. All right. And um all right. So let me say this too. So when they say black, a person having origins in any of the black racial groups of Africa, it's already telling you in the forward that it ain't scientific or anthropological. So it's telling you that they're just saying what they want to say. And if you want to follow that, then so be it. It's on you. You see? And also on a lot of these forms, not all of them, but a lot of them will have a box for you to write in or other. All right. Mm-hmm. But something I wanted to touch on that you touched on when we was talking about black. So something that I wanted to touch on. Our ancestors never called themselves black. That's something, that's a product of the colonial era of time. That's a product of the slavery era of time. And it's a product of popular culture here in the States that the world is able to see via the internet and whatever other means, and then they mirror or mimic that. But our ancestors right, never called like themselves an black. Word. It's an English word. But let me say this. Black, right. black isn't a name that belongs to the human family or to the families of nations, and our ancestors never called themselves that. And even when our kin from the continent migrate here, they go by tribal names. They fly their country's flag, but only when they're dealing with us and when they want to appease us, they'll use the lingo. Or when they want to mirror our culture in England, in New Zealand, in Australia, they say that. But it ain't. It, it's not an identity anywhere. It's never been. It's a new brand or new tag that we're trying to t- turn into something that it just wasn't meant to be. If anything, you're better off calling yourself an American. Like, even if one doesn't want to say I'm Moorish or I'm whatever else, you're better off just saying American. At least you got it halfway right. And the Reconstruction Amendments gave you that. So, all right. So let's get back. Hey, the Indian problem with Brother Frederick Jones L. You're watching on our Black Improvement, the Fly Guys Show. Get on code. We have with us the good sister Natalie Purdy, who's she's in learning mode. She's taking copious notes. All right, all right. Look at that smile. All right, and I'm smiling too because I'm learning a lot of great information from the great brother. Frederick Jones L. Good to see you, good brother. Yeah. He's hanging out. I gotta plug up too, man. I gotta plug this. I gotta plug up real quick. So yeah, a lot of um so much knowledge. A lot, 
Yeah, a lot of information. It's a lot. You know, it's a lot of info. Give me one second. I gotta, I gotta grab this plug. One second. All right. Um, so it comes down to this: when we talk about the Indian problem, part three, that there are Black Americans soaring to reclaim their Native American identity. Um, a lot of us were pushed out because of money. We were moved out of the Native American tribes called freedmen and then many reasons were popped in the area pops into the mix to say that we're not legitimate and we shouldn't have some of the benefits that our other family members enjoy and it's 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 crazy it's crazy um um and that's just one of the issues that's just one of the issues that's just one of the issues you know it's always like they don't want to be us. We don't belong, but then they want to mimic so much of us. Intriguing, intriguing, intriguing. Uh, yeah, but it's beneficial, of course. Right, right. Now, this is not to say that you know we're against our Native American family. Oh no, you know we're saying that. Hey, hey, cousin. You're off code. You're acting incorrectly. You're misbehaving. Yes. Uh, you know, if we fam, we fam. <laughs> and you know, I, I think it's time for us to do something with it. So, brother Frederick Jonesdale, you know, it's eight <laughs> thirty. Uh, I'm yeah. not going to do any other commentary because I can talk. Um, so, right. bring us through very quickly, and let's let's try to you know. I think that there's a part four coming, man. Because the part four is this is what we need to do in Norfolk. This is what we need to do in Richmond. Portsmouth is actually Portsmouth is trying to benefit from it as well. So I guess we need to move from information and strategies in section four, or maybe even section five, because I know you have a slew of information. You're the resident professor. So go ahead and profess. <laughs> I wish I was, man. Thank you, man. Thank you for the compliment. And again, uh Thanks for having me, dear brother. And you're right, man. We uh, we have to move to the next phase, and I think the next phase be solutions. You see what I'm saying? What can we do? And uh, um, and I kind of yeah, and I kind of learned that from you and Sister Natalie Purdy because during her domestic violence show, one thing that she was steadfast with was solutions, and I think that's great. And I kind of kept that in my head, like, all right, so we know what the problem is. We know we have all of the information, so you know what are we going to do about it? So I really like how uh, you demonstrate that, brother, and how the dear sister uh, Natalie Purdy had the, uh, had solutions on deck for the whole uh, uh, domestic violence stuff. So yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. She really exemplifies it. I, I want to highlight something, brother. I know that you know this is off topic for just a second, but it's on topic because we're going to be helping Sister Natalie with her upcoming shows. Uh, we did a show with Natalie. You know, she was actually leading that show, and she brought up some statistics. And on that show, uh, Brother Frederick Jones L. kind of pushed back on some of the numbers that you gave. Uh, but then, Brother Fred, you called me up. We actually, we had a text conversation, and you said something about I've reconsidered. Um, so. I, even though I, I'm not sure, are we back? With yeah, you're back. So when you said that you reconsidered right. your position, what did you reconsider when it came to Natalie's information? 
Yeah, well, I was, um, I had to like smack myself and say, listen, man, what are you doing? Because, see, I was looking at the numbers, but then I'm thinking to myself, numbers should should really, should only be a factor based on what we're talking about. So I said, just one woman being abused out of a billion is a, is a problem and an issue that we need to address. So I was like, I need to reach out to you and Natalie Purdy and see um, how I can assist because it, it ain't about numbers when it comes to that. One is too many. You know, one woman being abused. And um, you see, there's a picture of Prophet Noble Drew Ali, not to uh, switch gears, but this is irrelevant. Uh, on uh, on the questionnaire in the Morris Science Temple of America, and he's holding up the woman. He's got one foot on solid rock of salvation, one foot on the water, and written on a woman's body is humanity. So, so he's saying, if you don't start with her, fix her, then we ain't going nowhere. We gonna have some problems. So it's about her. So, I, so I just was like, yo, let me get my mind right and reach out to the sister and say, yes. say, how can I be of assistance? Throw the numbers out because they don't even matter. We have, you know, we have about it. So, I, so I changed my whole outlook. You know what I mean? So yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for your support. Indeed. So, you know what? I, yeah. I just happened to find that particular uh, picture with uh, Prophet Noble Drawley. This may not necessarily be the right picture, but it looks like a character. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has him, you know, of course, with the Circle Seven, and there's a sister. And in this picture, it does say humanity on it. It does say there you humanity. go. Humanity. That's right. So, yep. Yeah. So when he was saying uplift fallen humanity, he um he's he's talking about different things, but talking about the woman as well. You know what I mean? So yeah. Humanity comes uh, comes here by way of her. She's the vessel, not the not to get too philosophical, but I mean, she's she's the well, right? You got to go to the well. You don't go downstream. You go to the well. So, so you know. So we'll start with her. So, okay. And, well, and any uh, man raising his hand at her for any reason, any man for any for any reason, you got problems, brother. You know, I, I, like I've never done it, never want to do it, and um, it's the stuff nightmares are made of. You know what I mean? So, yeah. All right, yep. that's that's a little off topic, but I wanted to salute. At some point in, in the very near future, you're going to see the Natalie Purdy show on Our Black Improvement, and then she's probably going to get picked up by a Lifetime and leave us alone. No, I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to come with that's me. Awesome. It's a it's a family. It's not just one. Not yeah. just me. I say, I say. So, brother, uh, take us very quickly out of here, man. Uh, give us some. The stuff we need to know. I lost all the links. You may have noticed I dropped off. I hit the wrong button. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right, brother. I do it sometimes. So I um so there's the Philadelphia Tribune or Union Tribune article. We touched on that, which talks about the Pamunkey Nation of uh Virginia. Then there was the the article about the um the Creek Freeman out of Oklahoma. Then I think another art, oh, another article was the Racial Integrity Act of Virginia of 1924. I want the people to go back to that. 
authored by Walter Pleckler. So I want people to go to him, look him up, look, uh, look into who he was. There was, I also shared, I shared some Delaware code of law from 2016 where it recognized a Delaware tribe of Indians. What is their name? It recognized them as being Moors. Uh, what are they called? Uh, the name escapes me, but I shared a Delaware law, all right, recognizing them as being who they are. And then there was a work by an author that I shared in one of the links, and it was called The Moors of Delaware. And I think we was reading through some of that in part two, maybe. So, um, yeah. Okay. So, I, I'm, I'm pulling that information yeah. up now. Uh, Delaware, yeah. well, let's see. Yeah. So, this is the uh, Lenope tribe. The Lenape, there you go, my man. Thank you. I couldn't think of it. Yep. The Lenape. Mm-hmm. There it is right there. Yep, there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, so this tribe and was And that's the Justine. I want the people to know that that's the Justine website. That ain't something that the Moors them copy to paste, because that's what they be saying. So that's so that's an authentic website. But go ahead. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So the Lenape tribe of Delaware, okay, so they were uh, formerly known as the Moors for many decades. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, you know, that's kind of interesting because I remember when I was studying, when I was, well, I said I wasn't going to talk again. <laughs> but, that's all right. <laughs> when I was right, going, brother, going to the freedom school i used to go to a school i can't think of the name of the school now but it's called it was a freedom school and they taught us how on the ships that uh cristobal colon who was spaniard you know um on those ships he had people that were called moors and when they Uh-oh. when they hit when they hit some um when they hit some of the areas in the americas when they saw other people of African descent, they were like, oh, another Moor. Um, but they were called Moors by the Europeans. They were on those European boats with Christopher Columbus. And uh, it's interesting, you know, on a side note with Christopher Columbus, we had a lot of our Italian brothers and sisters saying that Cristobal or Christopher Columbus was a example of the Italian-American presence and contributions to American society. <laughs> very good, brother. Very, and very crazy. good. You know, you, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly where I was going to go. Uh, Christopher Columbus was Italian. He was actually from Genoa. He was a Genoan. And he wasn't Italian. He was, listen to this. He was Italian. It's documented, but he... He only sailed for Spain because Spain was allowing him to do the things that he wanted to do. All right. Spain allowed him to meet his dreams and aspirations. But he was Italian and his hero was Marco Polo. That's a fact. We could pull it up right now. Christopher right. Columbus. Let me say okay. that. Let me just say this. Before I pull uh, it up, I'll say this. Before I pull it up, let me say this. He was yeah, born yeah, in Genoa. 400 years before it was annexed by Italy. He was born in Genoa before the Italian language developed. 
All right. So he didn't speak Italian. He spoke Spanish and he spoke two other languages that were European based. And two of them later on amalgamated into what became the Italian languages. So he was born in the area before it was called Italy. 400 years was, before, 300, 300 years before it was called Italy. So he wasn't Italian. He never you know reached the shores of North. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't Italy when he when he was there. So, so we'll look it up. We'll look it up. So that's like saying that um, I'm a New Yorker, but yeah. I was born in the area that became New York 300 years before it was New York. So let me say this to you. So let me say this. When the historians are, are speaking about Columbus, they identify him as what the place became. So regardless of when Italy was actually called Italy, when they're explaining, when they're writing the history on him, that's how he's identified. But back to what yeah. I was saying, Columbus would sell for, for anybody that would allow him to practice his craft. He sell for the Portuguese. He was in the early Portuguese slave trade. He sell for Spain. He sell for the Roman Catholic Church because again, that's who that's who paid for all of the voyages. And they got the finance from subjugating Moors and Jews of Iberia and confiscating and taking all of their property. But I don't want to get off get all off into that. But uh, Columbus himself is. His hero was Marco Polo, all right, who traveled via land caravan to God knows everywhere. And you are right. He did have, he had Moors as navigators. I believe their names to be the Piznan brothers. And I, and once could go and look this up. And the reason that he had Moors with him is because that is because that's who knew the trade routes. That's who knew the way. And let me say that too, because because this is key. This is key, and this is even in Columbus's diary. When they reached the Straits of Gibraltar, traveling from the Mediterranean into the Atlantic and eventually to the New World, Columbus wanted to turn back, and it's his Moorish navigators that pushed him on. Now, this is Columbus himself saying that. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, A lot of information. A lot of information, and also, um, you know, relative to that, the Moors that was with Columbus. Because I hear a lot of uh, Afrocentric scholars say, you know, they they blame the Moors for uh, <laughs> for slavery and for Columbus coming here, but ones need to understand. <laughs> the Moors had failed at that point. They were subjugated. So so cert- certain ones was doing things under pressure. It's just like now, like if the police come and grab somebody up and they say, you better tell us what's going on over there or you're getting 20 years. So it's, it's kind of similar to that. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see that. I see what you pulled up, but what is that from? What's the source of that? Washington Post. 
right. So let me. Uh, so you know what? Uh, my point. My we're not we're not disputing anything. You're yeah. simply saying that when the sci- uh, when the historians use the term uh, Italian, they recognize that that area later on became Italy, but it wasn't part of Italy. But they just use that term. And that, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Uh, we're not going to dispute that part. All right, no know, problem. Because, no problem. Yeah, yeah. But 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 when he was alive, Italy didn't exist, and the Italian language, the Italian language, didn't exist. So if the Italians want to uh, claim him, that's cool because later on that area did become Italy. Later on, he spoke five languages. Italian was not one of them because the Italian language wasn't even a language at that time period but that doesn't that doesn't diminish some of the other things that we were discussing um you want to know what that's like saying that's like saying that's like saying that native americans aren't indigenous to america because america didn't get the name america until america vespucci which he doesn't deserve the credit but i ain't going to get into that but we know that the various indigenous populations called the land many different things. But does that mean that so-called Native Americans aren't indigenous to what we call the Americas? That's what that's like saying. Well, I, I'm, I, it's all good, man. It's all good. Thank you for that, Natalie. Uh, <laughs> 1946. Yeah. But this is one thing that I want to ask. Not to put it in the hatchet. Not to, not to beat a dead horse, but let me ask this one thing. When the scholars are speaking of Columbus's origins, do they not identify him as being an Italian? Yes or no? Well, I, I think the piece that's important, uh, and I've already said yes. The the, okay, right. the the scholars will use the term Italian because that's the term uh, that refers to the area, the landmass at this point. The same way we refer to. Um, the landmass of the Americas is America. Uh, but right. your point, and this all goes back to um, the tribe was known as the Moors. And going back to the point that when the early settlers from Europe came over to the what we call now the Americas, there right. were people of African descent who were called Moors on those ships. They used Moorish maps and we both agree on that. And that the fact that the Lenape tribe of Delaware were actually referred to, and they weren't the only tribe of quote unquote Native American people who were called the Moors. Um, but right. you brought that up and I think that's very interesting and it really kind of brings light to some of the other things. Um, and you talked about Delaware's forgotten folk. Um, yeah. The Moors and the Natachokes, right? Yeah. Did you see the part highlighted where it said that they had the letter M on their driver's license to that designated their race as being more? Yeah, I thought I that, just saw that. That was an interesting piece yeah. too. So, right, it yeah. is. All right. All right. So the right. stories, the story of the Moors and Natachokes. All right. Well, I'm probably Nanticoats. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Nanticoats. I'm probably messing that up. You know, if it's not Cherokee, it's I don't know right. how to it's say all right, it. Dude, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it's all good. Right hey, so um, yeah, bring us home, brother. Bring us home. We really got off on the Columbus thing, and I'm from Columbus, yeah. Ohio. So salute to everybody in Columbus, Ohio, the capital city yeah. of Ohio. O H I O. Peace to y'all. Yeah, that's peace. Right. Yeah, and that's very interesting because Columbus's name 
is all over the Americas, like Columbus, Ohio. There is a country in South America called Colombia. There is Washington D.C., which is D.C. stands for the D- Columbus. You have Columbia University. You have Columbia Records. So we know that the term Columbia is a play on Columbus. Um, you have, uh, um, you know, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. So Columbus gets a lot of uh, recognition. You know what I mean? And not, and it's not always in your face. And and I think they recognize him as opening up the trade routes uh, to Europe. You know, opened up the new world to them. And these were routes that melanated people traveled uh, centuries before him. So, yeah. All right. So let's talk about these black and yeah, Indians and, in Oklahoma. All right. Yeah. No problem. Tell me about this article that you shared, brother. So, um, so from what I remember, because I read the article a long time ago. But basically, the article is talking about Oklahoma Territory and it also touches on those of what we know today as Black Wall Street is thinking that they're going to be outdone and overran by our people and articles who aren't deserving or they aren't worthy of all the wealth that they have. They had land, cattle like Cal Tom like who we mentioned earlier, he owned a lot of cattle. If he was a cattleman then he was wealthy. So yeah, so so that's what the article is talking about. And I think the headline says what? It says wealthy Negroes are denied the right of franchise by act of the new state largest Negro population in the Creek Nation. So, so there they were trying to disenfranchise uh, the wealthy freedmen. And I have to say freedmen because a lot, lot of them went by that term, freedmen, because they was free people. So, and I think that's interesting. So, yeah. All right. Hey, any last words? Any last words on this, good brother? Yeah, so I'll just say, um, so we'll end it with the whole Morris demo because we shared, because we showed the article of the Lenape and the Nancy Coates of the Eastern Seaboard near near Delaware, Southern Jersey, and uh, Philadelphia, and how they identified as Moors and how the book goes into their history, saying saying that they came here via ship and they intermarried boys here, which is interesting because we've always traded back and forth. Melanated people here on this side and those of us on the other side, uh, Northwest and West Africa. So we've always traded back and forth. And this is the story of the Moors. It is more. And, um, and with that, and also dealing with the, dealing with the Creek Freedmen, and their ancestor Cal Tom and just showing just showing a different narrative and just showing that the transatlantic trade story is a half truth and I wouldn't even give it that like I would say it's probably not even deserving of 30% so we're very diverse I mean we're not a monolith 
um, the high civilization culture all over this planet is yours. And it's the same culture that they practice in many secret societies. And one's coming and demonstrating this high civilization culture by by wearing different type of refinement, whether it's a crown, whether you're wearing a turban, a fez, a, a certain medallion, a pen or a ring, is yours. The culture is one. And we civilize the planet. And we again are are very diverse and we shouldn't box ourselves in and just say that we're this and nothing else and we're when we're everything we're everything that these people claim to be and if you go back further enough in world history I don't care where it's at on the planet you're gonna bump into some so-called black people right right uh, I wanted to remind all the watchers that you can find a lot of the links for this presentation uh, by going to blackimprovement.blogspot.com. If you just go to blackimprovement.blogspot.com, you'll find this particular one. And it says The Indian Problem with uh, Frederick Jones L. And the great thing is, on this, we have links to the presentation right here. Uh, so we have, you know, information about Walter Pleckler, the Racial Integrity Act, you know, Delaware's Forgotten Folk, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the 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 um, Delaware Code, which recognizes the Delaware Moors or Indians' right to exist, the outcome of the Freedmen Federal case. All of this information is on our Black Improvement. I'm sorry, Black Improvement blogging. which is really one of my old blogs man when I was involved with blogging um, so but you can watch you know like here's the first video for the uh, the Indian problem yeah and thank you man thank you for putting it all together like that thank you for putting those links together I know it was a lot of work um so that the people could go through this bro yeah did a lot of work, so, man. So we want to salute you and uh, Queen Natalie, man. No, we're not calling you a man, but Queen Natalie. Any uh, yeah. any thoughts as we get? Because you're, you're obviously not mannish. <laughs> Peace. Peace to the queen. Peace. So. Thank you. Thank you. I I am so impressed, and I'm so grateful just to be a part of this and to learn so much and so much more that I have to read. It. Thank you, Frederick, for your your. It's so thank much you. knowledge. Thank you, and thank you, Seika. Yeah, thank you, brother, for having just me. And let me just in a little private chats when I'm finding while you're talking. I'm just googling and looking it all up. <laughs> all right, so uh, you, you know, so if we do a part four, you know, that's in your hands, brother. But I think part four should deal with solutions and what we should do. I'm totally for empowerment. So I believe we should say, hey, if you don't recognize our birthright, we're not going to allow you to prosper financially. When you do recognize our birthright, we're going to help you prosper financially. And, you know, that's the way that we should approach not only in this situation, but politics in general. You know, politics in general is quid pro quo, something for something else. So, you know, when they call you and say, hey, um, can we count on you for your vote? You can say, hey, can we count on that candidate to do these parts of our agenda? Because if not, 
If not, that's powerful. That's powerful. That's powerful, brother. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, what we're doing now is not powerful. You know, what we're doing now is not powerful. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that up, man. Agenda-based voting is key, man. And I would definitely get down with a group of our people that's moving like that, man. Because if you don't have demands, you know, like, are they really taking us serious? So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Exactly, which is the reason I keep putting this image up of uh, Yeshua knocking over the tables. You know, what's of the money changers? Yeah, that's right. The money changers, right, 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 right. Uh, Similar uh, to uh what happened with our founding fathers who dressed up as Native Americans and threw the the Boston Tea Party. Tea Party, because they were doing one of these. Yep. Yo, know, they were doing one of these and they were saying, hey, we're going to wreck shop. They killed people. They destroyed property. And they, um, you know, they said, we're not taking this. So they had an uprising and that uprising led to our America. So the uprisings yeah. that are happening now are leading to the America that we shall inherit in the future. So I say peace and power to the protesters, whether form, if you're protesting online, if you're protesting in the streets. If you're protesting financially, if you're protesting in your behavior, peace to the protesters because our country is built on protesting. And we need to make America what it could be. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm out. And look, um, (laughs) that picture that you shared, that picture that you shared, I'm glad that you shared that. That's a powerful image. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees went to. Uh, Pontius Pilate they went to the Romans and, and and told on him behind that it was like listen this guy is in the way of our finance and it's like that now today any guy that comes man representing so yep Yes, show me the money. All right. Uh, With that being said, I want to thank the gorgeous Natalie Purdy. Look at that smile. Thank you for smiling. Thank you for doing what you're doing, (laughs) saving our sisters and making us realize that we have to do better. Making us realize that we have to do better. I truly appreciate the work that you're doing, sister. You're doing the yo woman's job. I would say yo men's job. But I guess it's your woman's job. <laughs> um, Thank you so much. Um, and we're looking forward oh, you're to funny. the yeah. show. <laughs> and Brother Frederick Jones L, man, I truly appreciate the work that you're doing, the research that you're doing, Thank bringing you. this research to the masses. We're looking forward to more content from you on this channel, Our Black Improvement. We're looking more. Uh, yeah, he's going to bring. He's going to bring the heat, y'all. He's going to bring the heat. Yes. Um, you, any last brother. words, brother? Any last words? Um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, the camel walk with what you said, man, we need to be brothers in arms as far as what agendas we're going to push. And we need to demand, uh, certain things from those who want our vote, man, on what you 100%, man. And, uh, solutions, man, you know, you're big on solutions. My dear sister, Natalie Purdy is, is big on solutions and I'm, I'm getting to that point. I'm getting there. So, you know what I mean? So I love it. I love it. And I'm looking forward to working. Uh, with the both of you so you know whatever you know whatever needs to be done on my end I'm with it so yep all right the woman gets the last word last word Natalie I'm just so lucky to be here with two kings and just right here in 
smack dab in the middle of just learning so much and I can't wait for part four. I'll be right here with you. All right. Well, with that, we want to say uh, peace to the protesters and hey, we love y'all. We love <laughs> We love you. We love you. Act like it. You are right. loved. Act like it. You want to say God loves you? That's cool. Act like it. You want to say Natalie loves you? Act like it. Brother Frederick right. Jones Hill loves you? Act like it. Like you are right. loved. You are loved. Act like it. Peace. That's right. Peace. Stay floss, 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 stay floss. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. Stay floss, stay floss, stay floss, stay floss, stay floss. Stay conscious. Stay fly.